Big Fight Fields. That's the that's the aura here, ladies and gentlemen, here on Combat Talk Radio, found at CombatTalkRadio.net. My name is Lyce Jarvis, your host. We're going to crack through our weekend of boxing. The vast majority of these are happening on Saturday, which is today, on zone. There's a couple of untelevised ones, as far as I can tell, but most are happening on Saturday. And I'm going to ask forgiveness from a voice because I am getting over a little bit of a cold, but seems like it's turning me into Barry White anyway. So let's get into it. Top. The big fight, quote unquote big fight. I say it's a big fight, and I'm gonna tell you why when I get in this, but in the Toyota Center out in Houston, twelve rounds at super lightweight action. Again, this is the zone in the US or the UK. Crian Garcia makes his return after a stunning knockout off Tank Davis. He's fighting Oscar Duarte. And people are looking at this fight really close because Ryan, we gotta see where his head's at after that brutal um people say he quit. Bottom line is a knockout. We gotta see where his head's at. He's young. You know, he still has his career ahead of him. He has a pretty decent, you know, vector. And he just met Tank at the wrong time. We can talk about the weight. It may or may not have had a factor. I don't think it matters because, again, as I said, I think Tank was simply more skilled than Ryan ever had been. Ryan was. You know, what Tank called out was true. You know, he only goes for the hook, which is what he saw in the fight. Ryan, you know, it looked good for as long as it lasts. But, you know, Tank was like the Matrix in there. It's a beautiful thing. Now he's going against Oscar Duarte. And let me tell you something. Oscar Duarte is a threat. Oscar Duarte is a quality freaking fighter. He is coming off a stoppage streak. He had the one loss, went to a decision, and then he had a draw. Other than that, he's been on a tear. This dude has power. He's he's strong. He really isn't. I don't see that he's like as fast as Ryan. Like Ryan, I think, has a speed advantage. But I'm talking to just when he, if, he get, if he gets a hit on you, it's going to hurt, and we saw what happens with Ryan and power on that chin and power to the body because Tate took Ryan out to the body. Duarte is a really good body puncher, so I'm. this is not a step-over fight for Ryan. This is not, I would not have picked this fight as a get-back. According to Ryan, Derek James, is who, who's training Ryan, is who picked Duarte. I don't know that made any damn sense, if that's true. I don't know it made any damn sense. I would have picked somebody just a little bit simpler for Ryan to do a rebuild, get back in the groove, get mentally back in the picture. I think what Derek was, if that's true that Derek picked this guy, I think Derek might have been going off the fact that Ryan, you know, his speed advantage is there, and then just simply work on the fundamentals, work on the defense, stop focusing on the one shot. Okay, but it's too early. You just got with the dude. You just got with him. You just... He just got with Derrick James. He hasn't had a chance to work on that relationship with him in pro fights. The fight with Tank was Joe Guzan. I felt like Joe, I didn't, I didn't even know why Joe Guzan was a damn trainer in the first place. But the bottom line is that wasn't a good match, as we saw. And then now, and he was with Eddie Reynoso at one point, and I think Eddie Reynoso was a better trainer for him than Joe Guzan. So to me, I'm concerned for Ryan for all these different factors. It's like, I don't know if you got the right trainer at the right time. And if you if he is the right trainer, we're not going to know because you haven't spent enough time with him for us to know that he is or isn't the right fit for you. I just there's all this smoke, and I'm really concerned, and I don't know what to think about it. All I can tell you is that Duarte is a threat. So if Ryan's not on his 100%, Duarte has a chance on this one, folks. He has a chance to shock Garcia. Most online feel like Garcia blows Duarte out, and I don't see a blowout unless something magical happens because he's solid as Duarte. If you get a chance to watch any fight this weekend, this is one of them I would strongly recommend. We're going to switch over to Belfast, uh, Ireland. The SSE Arena, 12 rounds at featherweight action. 
I like this fight too. Michael Conlon fighting Jordan Gill. The reason I like this fight is because it's a little bit, it's a little bit more on the other side, the boxing side. You know, if you want a boxing match, this is where it's going to be. Both guys are coming off knockoff, knockout losses. So they're both on the rebuild. Roughly the same age, roughly the same height, roughly the same reach. Both orthodox fighters. Been the same rounds, same number of rounds in the books. You know, they're, they're, the skill level is roughly equivalent, and they're both boxers. And they both have, have had a, you know, rough career, a turbulent career. But they're skilled. Both are really highly skilled. I'm going to lean towards Conlon on this one. I think highly of Gill, but I'm going to lean towards Conlon. I think Conlon is a little bit more intelligent in the ring. He seems like he's able to keep his his composure better than Gill does under fire. Not to say that there's going to be leather thrown. I don't see a stoppage here. It could happen, but I don't see it. I think that this is going to go the distance. And I think Conlon's going to get his hand raised. My guess is it's probably going to be a close decision. But I think very highly of both guys here. And if you want to see just a pure boxing match, I think this one's one to watch for sure. Let's switch back to Houston. Ten rounds at lightweight action. I really like this fight. Floyd Schofield versus Ricardo Lopez. Floyd Schofield is a quality kid. I've watched him since he was just, you know, knee high. He's, he's, I've, I've watched him grow into what he's now become, which is a really quality boxer that has a really bright future ahead of him as long as he keeps his head straight and he gets the right promoter. Quality kid, you know, and then uh, Ricardo Lopez, I, I don't, he's a good dude, you know, he's a good dude, but I, I don't think this is for him. I, I don't want to call him a jobber, that's not fair, but he's not anywhere near Floyd's class, uh, skill-wise. All he has is power. Now, that, that plays something, you know, because if he catches Floyd with something, there could be something, but I don't think anything happens here. I think that Floyd blows him out probably early, is my guess. I would think it's probably like a before the sixth round is my guess there. Ten rounds of middleweight action. Shane Mosley Jr. fighting Joshua Conley. I The last time Mosley Jr. fought, and I talked about it, I didn't think very much of him. I think that it, this ain't for him. And then he went on a, on a streak. He got a three-fight streak after that happened. Yeah, so at least he has a heart, you know, to be in this. But I just, I still don't think it's for him. That's not a ding on him. I just think, I, I give him nothing but kudos for the heart. But I just don't think it's for him. And Conley, I don't want to call him a cherry pick. Cause that's not fair because maybe he didn't pick him. But Conley is, even Conley is, even Conley is a threat. Let's put it that way. Conley's coming off a three-fight loss. Conley's on the slight decline. But the point is, is that Mosley, he's not he's not as developed as I would have thought he should be by now. And so Conlon has a good chance, Conley rather, has a good chance to upset the card here. If if even if he doesn't win, but if he takes it to the limit and he's like, you know, it's, it's a draw or it's a close, you know, majority decision loss or win or whatever. Bottom line is Mosley should blow the guy out. I don't think that he can. <laughs> Most online think that Mosley's going to decision him wide. I don't see that. He should. I just don't see it because of what I, again, Mosley, for whatever reason, just hadn't been there. Now, I know he's been changing stuff up in his camp, so let's let's watch and see if he's, if he's going to develop into that guy. Again, so far, I have not been impressed by Shane Mosley Jr. We're going to switch back to Ireland. Ten rounds of super lightweight action. 
Sean McComb fighting Sam Maxwell. I don't know either guy. I've heard of them, but I don't know of them, I should say. Uh, roughly even on the books. McComb is the southpaw. That will play the factor. Uh, McComb is a boxer, pure boxer. Maxwell, and he's more... I don't want to say he's a boxer. He's kind of a... I don't want to say slugger either. It's not fair. He's kind of a... He's kind of a weird style, is he? Uh, coming off two stoppage losses. It seems like he is... He makes mistakes. What From what I saw, he makes mistakes really easily that could be exploited. Is McComb the one to exploit those mistakes? Possibly, yes. Uh, it's hard to tell on that one because, again, I haven't watched significant footage on either guy. Same in Belfast. 10 rounds of super welterweight action. Uh, Kelmin Aguiarco fighting Troy Williamson. I don't know either guy. I have never even heard of either guy, actually, this time. Uh, Aguiarco is undefeated. Uh, he's a pure boxer at skill. Uh, I am looking at the numbers on these two. And one thing caught my eye on the matchup of this one. So they're roughly equivalent in terms of the experience edge. Uh, Williamson has the one loss. He lost by decision that time. And that was just in the most recent fight. Other than that, he's been dominant. And so it looks like a rebuild fight for Williamson, but it's a weird match. That's what I'm, that's what come eyes like. It's a very weird matchup because Williamson really needs to be on the rebound because he was dominant before his loss. And it was a, it was a unanimous so then you fight an undefeated Ayarco, who's on the up-and-comer. I don't know that I would have made that choice. However, I think they picked him because Ayarco does not, he's not a knockout puncher. He's a boxer. He's a pure boxer. And they may have felt like they can get him out of there because Williamson, if anybody could do it, just on raw power, is the one to do it. So... I think it's a good fight, you know, overall. I'm not criticizing the fight. I didn't know, again, either guy. But on the numbers, that caught my caught me. It's like Williamson's the one on the rebound. Williamson is the knockout artist, and he needs to get a rebound fight. And then you match him against an undefeated, but he's an undefeated that's just a pure boxer. And is it possible that Aguiarco doesn't, he's never been in the ring with somebody who could take him out? I looked at the records, and it did seem like he fought a couple of good guys, but... You know, who knows on that one? I think it's a good one to keep an eye on. Same in the Belfast, 10 rounds at welterweight action. Tyrone McKenna fighting Lewis Crocker. I'm aware of McKenna, obviously. Uh, Crocker I had never heard of prior to this. Crocker's undefeated. Uh, McKenna, he's been in the game a pretty good amount of time. Uh, really solid fighter. Uh, he lost uh, three times, one of them by, uh, I think he got knocked out in that one, or as a stoppage, rather. And... It, he, he frustrates me. McKenna frustrates me because McKenna is, he's quality, but he tends to make mistakes. He has gaps in his defensive game that get exploited. And so I wouldn't be surprised if Crocker exploited those same gaps to continue his undefeated streak. That's what I see. McKenna's got the Southpaw stance. What I saw of Crocker is that he didn't seem to be troubled by Southpaws, but McKenna is skilled enough where we could see something. I don't know. I just, historically, what I saw was I was very frustrated by him making silly mistakes. And I didn't want to see silly mistakes out of him. But I did see, at times, he seemed to drop his defensive guard and get caught with something. Uh, not that he got, you know, knocked out. He only got stopped the one time. I'm saying that when you drop your defensive guard, then you lose your game plan. If you lose your game plan, then you're off and you're not the same dude. So anybody who could do, I think Crocker is one that could. This one's out in France at Marseille. 
Uh, it doesn't. It says it's on the zone, so the zone must be doing some cross country broadcasting, as far as I can tell. Uh, Twelve rounds of super middleweight action. Uh, Kevin Saijo fighting Abraham Gabriel Buenardigo. Uh, hey, yo, I butchered that. Buenardigo, sorry. So I had never heard of either guy. Uh, Saijo is undefeated, and I don't know very much about Buenardigo. I, I don't know. Um, looking at the numbers, it looks like a really good fight. You know, on the numbers, uh, both knockout artists. Buenardigo uh, looks like he had lost a couple times. And they're roughly equivalent experience. So I think it's going to be a, one of those power fights. It looks like they, they both look like more than super middleweight, though. They look like they're, you know, undersized. They look like they should be higher than that. But that's what it says. So that one might be an interesting one to check out if you do. It's probably on the on the, um, on the prelims, is my guess. Then we got uh, Nova Scotia, Canada. This one, again, looks like it may not be televised. 12 rounds at cruiserweight action. Ryan Raziki fighting... Olan Dorodola. I have I've heard of Dorodola. I thought he had retired. Like <laughs> he's from way back. I I thought he had retired, but apparently not. 43 years old. Damn. And then uh, Raziki, I'm of course aware of. Good dude. He's coming off a loss. Uh, Dorodola's been on a lost streak. Um Dorodola's one of those, you know, they say power's the last thing to go. That's where Dorodola is. is if he does win, he's going to get you with power. And I think they matched this based on that. They matched it because Roziki is a power fighter. And he just got caught his last fight uh, and lost the decision. So I think that's why they matched this and trying to rebuild Roziki. Duradola can catch him. Duradola is, he's one of those where it just comes out of nowhere like a Darnell Boone and he can get you with something. So don't count him out. I just think it's highly unlikely is my only point there. That's what I see on deck here for boxing. Then just a couple of bits. Bits and bolts. Devin Haney relinquishes all 135 titles. So he's no longer the undisputed unified 135 champion. He did what Terrence Crawford refuses to do, which is to actually vacate the belts and let guys fight for the titles, which means the fight for uh, Garcia and Duarte is actually going to be for the WBA gold, I'm hearing. So the WBA gold, just to give you what that is, you're like, another title? It's not another title. What happened was the WBA created this gold title tier. And what it's supposed to do is entitle the winner to a title shot. So it's like an interim title, but it's not really. It's actually treated as a defended title, though. So there's that. And then and then Tank, he actually holds the regular title at 135. Even though he was planning to move up to 140, he holds the regular title. He's held it for a while. He's never really defended it, which is kind of weird. And I think what was happening was they were trying to see if Devin Haney was going to um, eventually fight Tank Davis at 135, but Devin Haney was struggling to make weight. So the rumor is that Tevin, or excuse me, Tank will become a quote email champion. And Tank came out and gave an interview, say he doesn't want it because he's planning to move up and he doesn't want to stay at 135 anymore. So 140 is going to start getting really interesting because you now, if that's true, you're going to have Tank Davis at 140, you're going to have Haney at 140. You got Tiafimo there. You got Josh Taylor there. You got Catterall potentially going there. You got some really good hitters there at 140, and it's going to be an intriguing thing. And then, oh, by the way, Subiero Matias is floating in the wings trying to get fights with some of these guys. So 140 is starting to take over where 147 used to be. And then on the 147 side, Blair Cobbs is still on the rebuild. He hasn't been seen as frequently as I'd like to see, unfortunately. Keith, once upon a time, Thurman, he's going to be fighting a Stankonia. 
So that'll be an interesting fight to see. And then we got to see if Keith's going to stay at 147. Uh, Crawford's sitting on the belts, holding them hostage at 147 instead of vacating them. So then, of course, the IBF stripped his ass because he was ducking boots, boot drum boots. And it came out recently and said he could have fought me before. He chose not to. He'd rather have them strip uh, him of the title rather than fight me and said that, you know, that stunt you pull see-through, as in we know what you're doing. It's a stunt. It's a trick. The idea that you're saying that you can't fight me because of the rematch clause with Earl Spence, which is true. You know, Crawford could very well agree to fight Boots after fighting Spence. The question is whether Crawford's going to stay at 147. He's never given a definitive answer. That's the problem. And so he's essentially holding the belts hostage, and that's what's frustrating a lot of people. It's like, dude, make up your mind. And so then when Boots gets elevated to IBF, he called Crawford out and said, come get your belt back. At this point, that's like pulling punk card. You've never seen a fighter get elevated on the belt and then call out the person who had the belt before and say, come get it back. I'm sorry, that's that's punk card because Crawford should not should not have just held on to the belts. You got the accolade. You got undisputed. Go ahead and vacate the belts, move to 154, and do it again if you think you can. You know, move on, but don't hold up the division the way you're doing. Spence wasn't holding up the division. Spence was unifying the division prior to his loss. So Spence was actually trying to do something against other champions. It's different than with Crawford, who's been sitting on the belts, not taking another fight. I think people have gotten too used to fighters fighting once or twice a year, period. That's cool if all you're doing is unifying, but I don't think it's cool if you're just sitting on the titles not doing anything. So we'll have to see what happens here. Hopefully, Crawford vacates the titles. I think it's the right thing to do, and we can free up the division for some of these young guys that are on the come up.